Hello, hello, hello. Hi there. We're the Radical Remnant. Everyone, anyone, one God. Welcome to our podcast channel. Today, we bring you a playback of Sunday's Charge Up. We hope that you listen with your spirit and are blessed. All right, anybody want to share what comes to their mind when they hear that spellbound, when you hear spellbound? What, what just comes to your mind? Again, there's no wrong answer per se. Craft. What? Witchcraft. Witchcraft, okay. I think being in a chokehold. Being in a chokehold, whoa. Okay, having no control, being under a spell. Love it. Anybody else? It reminds me of a Disney movie. It reminds you of? A Disney movie. A date in a movie, did you say? Disney movie, like Cinderella or something. Ah, like Disney movie. Sorry, sorry. I had two cups of coffee. Clearly did not wake me up as I should have been. So you had to repeat yourself three times. I apologize. Michelle says jazz. Spebana, jazz. Utsumoko, as some would call it. Anybody else? Let's assume you were um, Caucasian from Milwaukee and you heard Spellbound, not Nigerian or African. What would you think? Sorry? Tenny? I think amazed. I think wise people, they would just think amazed. Amazed. Love mm. it. I think Anybody of it in like a romantic sense of like romantic sense. taken with right. Okay. <laughs> Abigail says food. Love it. Anybody else? No wrong answers. I see Ife is here. She's quiet. Ayomide, Jonathan, Irene. Again, no wrong answer. When you hear spellbound, what do you think? Again, imagine your Caucasian from Milwaukee. Your name is um, Bridget. I'm going to give you a name, Bridget. Okay. So what comes to your mind when you hear Spellbound, when your name is Bridget from Milwaukee? Not Lamide from Lagos. Some people's hands are up, Lamide. Some people's hands are up. Irene. Oh, sorry. Hello, Irene. Over here, we don't have um, manners, per se. Just <laughs> unmute. Unmute. Okay. If I say it's magic. Oh, hi. Can you yes, we can, Irene. Um, I think like if I was Caucasian, um, <laughs> being like completely captured by something. So you're spellbound. Everybody clap like, for Irene. Completely captured by something. Irene, you are now um, what's the word? You are now promoted to the soothsayer of the radical remnant. All right, can somebody put in the chat being captured by something? Put it in your notebook, being captured. I love it, being captured by something. Also, the uh, easier transition of just being under a spell. Today, I'm going to do a lot of teaching and it's going to marry with some preaching. I don't mean to rhyme, but you know how I do. And you kind of need to follow it um, because if you miss a point, or you suddenly start to think about dinner or something, you, you won't be able to catch what was said. First thing I want to share with you would be the word precept. 
precept, P-R-E-C-E-P-T. How many of you have come across this word while reading the Bible, particularly the King James Version? Precept, precept, anybody? Anybody heard it before? Precept, anybody heard mm, precept? It's, um, what's it called? Like God's way of living, basically. Great, God's way of living. So the mm. first thing I want to talk about is the word precept. We all know that as children of God, we have heard in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, right? If you've been coming to the right program, like you know that I like to use mathematical equations, even though I was not great at math because I blame all teachers I had. Um, but that means that God equals his word, right? What that means to us is, thank you, Fed. that means that we should obviously take the word of God seriously, right? Math equation. Right on that, God equals his word should be that God made us in his image. Abby? And we are children of God. Abby? So if we're children of God, your name, for example, would be Michelle God, Tekena God, Nega God. Do you get what I mean? Just the same way you have the last names of your father. So let's assume that that's what we're calling ourselves for the purpose of this conversation. So God equals his word. You are a child of God. So you should equal what? Anybody, just on me. Anybody, the word. Now, this word is, if you will agree with me, a manifestation of what was in God's mind, right? When God sat, created the world, inspired people, anointed people, God didn't just do it. He didn't just wake up and say, oh, let's make man. There was a thought, an idea. He said, we should make man in his image. Abby. So there were thoughts in God's, should we call it mind for lack? We don't know what God calls his own. So let's say mind, right? Before creation. Okay? So thought creation, thought creation. Before this, we had God equals his word. Therefore, you know, in Matthew, do therefore. Takena equals the word, right? Therefore, mega equals the word. Are you with me? And then we said that thought brought creation. There was a thought, an idea, God's big idea that brought creation. Are you with me? The word precept is from the word of God. And a lot of times we want to go to the newer version of the word. Um, but sometimes I feel emphasis on I feel that the translations are like a bit watered down, kind of like how we all have our language, our language or what we would call mother tongue, right? And when, when someone says, what does it mean? And you try and explain it, eh, it doesn't really carry the weight of how it means, what the word means. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so the translations, of the Bible are for your understanding in a simple way. There's some parts of the Bible that you read, you don't understand. So you go to what I would call an easier, simpler translation. But as God started to move us from the beginning of the year into the new, into the new, into the new, I, I was saying to Ken and that 
It's like when you have an iPhone, you just bought an iPhone, what, 12, and then in two months, they say iPhone 13 is coming out, and you're like, hold on a minute, I just saved all my money, bought the iPhone 12, now I'm telling you I need to upgrade. That's how God is moving. And how many people remember that I said, the way God is moving is a bit fast now, because there's certain things he wants to do, and it's you either catch it or not. How many people, how many people remember that I said that at some point? Great. So the word precept comes from the Bible. It's not made by Lamy. And I want to explain it. But before I explain it, um, I want to ask for your permission to go a little bit over time today. Please, if I have your permission, just put your hand up. A little bit over time. I need at least 10 of you to. So I know I have majority of the house or some sort. Precept, right? If you turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 19, verse 8, you will see that the psalmist says all his precepts are true. All his precepts are true. For the purpose of today, I want to beg you to actually go to your Bibles when I say it, because it's important that you see it. You see it and it, it, it paints a picture in your mind, not just what I'm saying, okay? It's important that as I'm speaking, you see what God is also saying, and it forms a picture in your mind, okay? So Psalm 19 verse 8 says, all his precepts, his God, all his precepts are sure, sure. So if I tell you, if you ask me, Lani, do you like food, or would you like for me to order you some linguine with a lot of seafood from the, your favorite restaurant, I will say sure, because that means that there is no doubt in my mind that it's a good idea, right? So all his precepts are sure, okay? I need um, communication from you because I always want to make sure that I'm not leaving you behind. Psalm 111 verse seven says, therefore, I consider all of your precepts to be right. So the first thing about his precepts is they are sure. Okay? Anybody who feels like being a, a captain can put the word sure in the chat. All his precepts are, first thing is they are sure. The second thing is they are right. Right? Psalm 119. So after sure, we have right. Okay, whoever our class captain is in the chat. Psalm 119 verse 128 says, for precept must, and this is the meat of where I'm going, precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Okay, so when you look at, I lied to you guys, I apologize, and nobody said anything. Oh, dear God. So I have been reading the wrong scriptures and nobody caught me out. I will start again because for the, yeah. <sighs> Psalm 119 verse 8, says, verse 8 says, the Lord's precepts are right, rejoicing the heart. The Lord's commandment is pure, enlightening the eyes. That is Psalm 19 verse 8. Can I get an amen if I'm right? I want to make sure I haven't jumbled things up. So I'm wrong. Where did I get that scripture from? Anyway, when you people are listening to this, please forgive me. 
Where I'm going to anyway is that Isaiah 28, verse 10. I had put some on top and some under, so my writing was all jumbled up. I apologize. But Isaiah 28, verse 10 says, precept must be upon precept, line upon line, okay? And the key for my message is contained in the phrase line upon line, precept upon precept. If you and I will learn to discern the difference between our own emotions or the emotions of others, thoughts of others, right? And the promptings of the Holy Spirit, then we must come to recognize the Lord's pattern and process for giving us spiritual knowledge. Today, I would like to share some spiritual knowledge with you. The word precept basically means before thought. Pre means before. Right? If you say baby was born premature, it was born before it was due, right? So pre means before, sept means thought. Okay? The translation of the word um, precept is basically before thought. Meaning a precept is an original thought. And if we're going by the word where we say the original. So in these scriptures, I will replace precept for original thought. The original thought is sure. The original thought is right. And the original thought must be upon another original thought line by line. What that means, if you are paying attention, is that God has his pattern. He has an order to things. Are you with me? And so therefore, an idea as you and I know, is a conceived thought. We all have ideas every single day, right? Especially if you're a creative person, you have ideas. So an idea is a conceived thought. A precept is a thought from before, an original thought. Are you with me? You have ideas, you have precepts. The senior of the idea is the precept, which comes from God, the original thought. None of us are so wise and so, you know, all-knowing that the ideas that God gives us came, is from God. We know that. So let's call the original thought God's idea. And then our thought becomes the conceived thought. Okay? In normal la language, they would call an idea a concept. So if you are in Apple, you know, when you start to put the new iPhone together or accessories, you have a concept of it. And then you share your concept. This is a lot of theory that I'm giving you, and that's why I asked for your permission to teach. Are you still with me? If you're with me, please smile so I know that I haven't left you behind. I need to see all your things. Praise God. Now, a concept gives birth to mental images. If I said, if just when I was saying to you that I was talking about pasta and seafood, when I said it, there was a picture, obviously, in your mind when I said it, right? Because words give birth to pictures. Yes or no? When someone says something to you, you just, there's a picture in your mind of it. If you're adjusting, when, when you're adjusting, maybe your best friend or whoever, you know, they are forming a, a picture of how the gist really was. And so every single time you have an idea, it paints a mental image in your head. This mental image then produces words, which make up belief systems, which is where I'm going, belief systems, okay? So I want to go from step to step. There's an original thought, a precept, God's thought, okay? And then there's an idea, which is your thought. The idea is your conceived thought, your concept. And everybody in the world has their ideas of what should be. Your parents 
have ideas of who you're supposed to be and what you should be doing, for example. Friends, the world, culture has ideas of what we all should do. And then we know that these ideas form words that we speak every day, every single day. You don't just open your mouth. You have ideas in your head that form the words that you speak. Same as the people who are in your space. Do you agree with me? Just put your hands up. Let me make sure that I'm not just throwing um, ideas as well and you are left behind in the dialogue. Great. And these ideas, these concepts produce images in our heads which make up our belief systems and many of us walk around with belief systems. Our, our faith in God obviously is a belief system as well. We believe certain things to be true about the God that we serve and we hold on to that. We also have belief systems that we are not even aware of that dictate or inspire or control what we do. And creation basically is a manifestation of God's big idea. So everything I've said now, just put it in, you know, it's like when you are solving for different things and they give you plenty of equations in further math, you solve different parts separately. So let's put everything I've said about precepts and ideas, let's just put it in, in one box, okay? Just circle it and put it there. Are you with me? Just look at me, communicate. You know, this is why preachers end up saying, praise the Lord and wait for the hallelujah to make sure people are not sleeping. Are you with me? Okay. The word spell, to spell a word, is actually influenced, right, by the idea of casting the spell. You see, a lot of us, we don't do research. We don't learn. We're just ruling with stuff people have said, and we do that to inspire us. And when I heard this, it blew my mind. that So when we say spelling word, spell a word, right? It's like, it comes, the root of that word is from casting a spell because there is power in words. When you say a word, it casts a spell. So when a magician says abracadabra, they believe that when they say all that mumbo jumbo, they are casting a spell. If you've ever seen anybody hypnotized, they will repeat certain things to get the person to a place. So the words that we speak basically cast a spell. That is why we say spelling. Okay? That is how that word came to be. The root spell originally meant story, meaning a tale, history, narrative, fable. Then the term spell started to take on the meaning of a charm or magical incantations in the Middle Ages. Okay, are you still with me? So words, are, in my not so humble opinion, are most inexhaustible source of what we call magic. That isn't really magic, it is power going through words. Are you with me? 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 And so, Words are capable of inflicting so many emotions. Why do we get hurt when people say certain things? Why do we get hurt so deeply that even to express it to another person is complicated? Have you been hurt in a way that all your emotions are just all over the place? And if a friend, brother, sister, someone who loves you comes to say, Faith, what? Talk, talk to me. What's going on? You're just like, give me a minute. I don't even know how to express how I feel right now. 
because somebody said something to you. Has anybody ever felt that? Anybody? Should we close and, and, and try this next week, Sunday, or do I have actual people, humans here? Yeah? Okay, great. So words are capable of inflicting injury and words are also capable of remedying it. Words. And so when you say a spell, what's interesting, if you've ever watched these magicians, I, I think magic is a joke, but I also understand that, you know, the enemy is funny. Um, as we said, some of us said jazz and all kinds of witchcraft. We have to be aware that all that is happening. But when someone wants to cast a spell, there's repetition. There's repetition. And so when you, when you are praying, do you find yourself repeating? When you are singing powerful songs, do you see the power of repetition? So as you repeat those things, do you feel the influence of those words? The answer would be yes. If when you were born and you were my child, I said, you're going to be great at the age of two, and I left it there. You're not gonna remember at the age of four. And when you need it most at the age of maybe 15, it won't be there. But if I repeat it almost every morning, almost every day on the way to school, when I pick you up from school, when you feel broken, when someone has been mean to you, I say you are great. When you're 36 and someone tells you otherwise, you'd be like, no, because that word has been sown into your life and it has inflicted greatness. Do you understand? Now, what words make you? I'm going to repeat that question. Where you sit right now. I said before I started this conversation, I said, is taking brokenness, failure, shame, confusion, all kinds of things for me to share what I'm saying to you. So just imagine someone trying to squeeze water from a rock. Imagine somebody giving you the water that they have in the desert. That is the way this sacrifice feels to me. And I'm praying that you are present and you are here in me. I ask you a question, what words make you? What words built you? What words broke you? What words trigger you? What words say you to you? I'll repeat that. What words make you? We said in the beginning that God had an original plan. If we look at the Bible and we turn to Jeremiah, a lot of us quote the scripture where he said, before you were formed in your womb, I knew before, before. And we agreed that the word precept means before thought. There was a precept before you were conceived, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you, I called you, right? There was an original thought, a precept to before, Michelle came to be. There was a precept before Nkichi came to be. There was a precept before Lami came to be. And then there were ideas when each person came to the world. There were ideas that formed words 
words that formed concepts and belief systems and mindsets and habits and addictions. And each one happens steadily. The words that make you are not necessarily good words. Could be a medley of good and bad. But I assure you that as you sit where you are, there are certain words that have made you who you are. There are certain words that have built you. Built you, not necessarily to the best version of yourself, but to a version of yourself that you have come to live with. In a sense, as Nigerians would say, you have come to manage. When I asked what words broke you, I didn't say what words break you. I said what words broke you. The Bible says a broken and a contrite heart you don't despise. And so before each of us come to deeper levels of understanding of God, there's a certain brokenness that happens. The same way our human selves, the parts of us that still require saving, the parts of us that still have a lot of infected wounds, Same way there are experiences that many of us have just boxed away because we've tried to figure them out. We've tried to solve, we've tried to let go, but they exist, they're there. So when I say what words broke you, I'm not trying to shame you. I said in my prayer that my prayer is that each person will be honest with themselves because Christianity isn't a religion, it's a personal relationship with Christ. And if you can't go personal, if you can't be honest with yourself, matters or just let it go, go do something else. God's desire in this dialogue, in this conversation, in this session, is to have honest conversation. So when I say what words broke you, I would like for you to just go into your journal and write those words down. Some of them are phrases, some of them are just one word, some of them are ideas. What words broke you? Words could have come even from the people that you love. The words could have come even from people who were supposed to do good to you, but spoke the wrong words. The words may even be coming from yourself. And that's why I said, what words trigger you? What words say you to you? So just write the words. They don't need to be in a certain order. It doesn't need to be articulate, as long as you understand it. So I'm going to ask again, what words make you? What words built you? What words broke you? What words trigger you? And what words say you to you? I'm going to write a story. The story has to be filled with words. And when we read the Bible, we read the words. We don't understand that each word carried its own precept. Each word carried its own picture in the minds of the, of the people whose stories we're telling. When we read the words of Moses, getting the Ten Commandments from God, the words there that are even unspoken. The same way as you sit here and listen to me, 
their own spoken words. But you hear them. You know them. So I just want us to take five minutes and write those words down. Just write those words down. Write those words down. God wants to do his own thing today. It's not that he wants to do a thing. God wants to do his own thing today. And if you're half here, half somewhere else, you get nothing. Those who are fully present, it's going to do what he's going to do. Let me explain something to you. Nothing has the power to just appear in your life. Everything is spirit before it manifests in the physical. So search your spirit, you see, depression, anxiety, fear, shame. Confusion, ambiguity. All of that is a coding, it's like a, like a computer program filled with so many words that have just jumbled together to get you somewhere. And for some of us, that somewhere isn't where God wants you to be. What words make you, what words make you start again? What words make you doubt yourself? What words make you who you are? What words have formed a picture in your mind about what you can and cannot do? What words make you afraid? What words bring shame? What words make you lazy when it comes to chasing purpose? What words bring foolish pride? What words you speak to yourself when it's just you? What words trigger fear and anxiety? Words that take you back to a place that you think you've left or you hope to leave. But every time you hear those words, find yourself back in that place. And, and the fear for some of us is the type of fear that you feel in your fingers, you feel in your toes. What words are spoken to you in that relationship that made you feel like less of yourself? What words have been spoken, not just over you, but even maybe over your family, and have formed limitations in God's expression of your greatness. What words? God is doing a thing today, and even I am excited about what that thing is. I am gracefully being obedient. Oh, so guys, I believe that I'm in a safe 
environment. And I want to, you know, if you were here from the beginning of this conversation, you could tell that this is a very vulnerable charge up for me. And I try as much as I can to be sincere, to be real. Um, and on Friday, I had a breakthrough. I had a breakthrough on Friday. I've had a very one kind week. Very one kind. The week before that, I was like, um, it's like superwoman. If you're in the wellness group, you know, we're there, we're, we're killing our goals, drinking water, taking on new habits. You know what I mean? We're walking, we're cycling, we're running. Mega is in the gym. You know, we're letting go of bad habits. We're doing new things. And I was like, superwoman. And then the last Friday into Sunday, I had to remember that it had been a year since somebody very dear to me had passed. Like, I wasn't there for his funeral. So every single time there is a marking of the reality that he doesn't exist anymore, it does something to me. And grief is a very interesting emotion. It moves, you know, it's not in one place. And so from there, it was like my whole body shut down. If you're in the wellness group, you would notice this week, I wasn't really saying much. And nobody was even calling me to say, auntie, are you moving? But that's a different thing. We'll sort out our family matters in private things. Nobody was like, girl, we don't see you moving. What's happening? What's happening? Are you all right? Are you moving? Are you exercising? Then he said, Tam, why is Tenny always, always said I called that she didn't need? What if God forbid I was in the hospital? I go big anyway. See, family matters that we air. Yawa has gassed. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is that this week was really horrible for me. Some things from as I moved into a, a different level of the new and acknowledged it, some things came from before. And they came into my space, into my spirit, into my mind. And I found myself immobile, not because I couldn't do stuff, but I, I felt sick. And I couldn't put my finger on it. You know, I couldn't say I have a flu or there was no specific word to describe what I was going through. And I suddenly started getting quite upset with God because, oh my God, this July reset, the stuff I need to do, what is all of this for? Now, what's interesting is that the week before God had given me the title for charge up, he had told me it was spellbound. Tenny can confirm that. But I didn't hold charge up. I didn't speak on Sunday. Do you guys remember? So in my mind, I didn't think it was about what I needed to share. I was just like, oh, so I was in my bed. And then I started to realize when I started to talk to God, honestly, I started to tell him how I was feeling about all those things that I felt had come into my space. I think the primary feeling was frustration. And if any of you have experienced frustration with letting go of something and having to deal with it again, saying something is stopping and having to deal with it again. 
pushing certain people out of your life and having to deal with them again. I was frustrated because I understood where I was supposed to be and I wasn't there. And then I realized that I had been fighting words. I had been fighting stories, stories, concepts, precepts, ideas of other people about me, towards me, and in me. And I realized that I was frustrated because I had been losing the fight. You see, when God cuts us off something, whether it's a behavior, a person, a group, a crowd, a clique, an idea, a mindset. The cutting off doesn't mean that the thing didn't have an effect. Do you get what I mean? So for example, in simple terms, let's say Abigail had an altercation with someone she was familiar with. And the person was someone she was familiar with. So there was a root, right? A preset, a beforethought of Abigail that they were building and building and words were spoken and experiences and things and effects, fights, da 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 da, right? You know, when you're trying to break off some, something with someone that you know is not good for you, anybody been there. And again, this is an example. I'm not, Abigail didn't tell me about nobody's trying to break anything off. This is an example. So y'all please don't go into space saying y'all in here what happened to Abigail. This is an example. When Abigail stops speaking to that person, does it mean that automatically the effects, the negative effects suddenly disappear? No, still there. And what I realize is that a lot of us are walking around with these words, with these ideas, with these stories about ourselves. And we think that they've been dealt with, but they haven't because they keep coming up, right? And they come up sometimes when you least expect anybody been there. And that's why sometimes it's called a trigger because sometimes you get upset, sad, depressed, anxious, whatever, by certain things. And sometimes they're not even things that you can tell anybody. It's your private thought, right? You guys are looking at me and I'm trying to make sure that we are still in the same conversation. Are we in the same conversation or is this thing too deep? And they're just like, oh, this girl has come again. Can they please just give her a different walk on Sunday because she has come with this heavy stuff. Okay. And so like I said, I realized that I had been struggling with words and stories. I've been fighting with narratives and I've been losing the fight. So I was frustrated. To be fair, I was probably even depressed. Depressed not in the I'm sad way, but depressed in a functional way. You could be a functionally depressed person, a functional alcoholic, for example, meaning you go to work da, 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 and you know the amount of alcohol you're taking every day just to get yourself feeling all right. So I realized that I had been functionally depressed. I was doing everything I was supposed to. But this part of me had been losing the fight. And how many of you know that nobody wants to keep fighting a fight that they lose. Nobody. If, for example, there's an exam you have to retake, there's a certain way you would feel about that. If there's something you have to redo, remember when you were in primary school and then you do some work and then they just do on top of it and give you back. To, you know, there's just a feeling of, ah, but I spent a lot of time on that. How dare you, right? 
Nobody, no boxer wants to keep going into a ring when he knows that he's going to be defeated. And so I felt like I had just been fighting and losing the fight. You see, the battle of your soul is one. The battle of your soul is one. Your soul, your spirit, it's one. Jesus has done the work. It's complete. He said it is finished, right? We know that. You understand that? Talk to me on mute your microphone. Tell me, do you, alert? I said Jesus died yeah. on the cross for you. That's the biggest something, no? We're all here by virtue of that grace. If not, some of us, we just be the people that are digging holes in the hell place. But Jesus came, hallelujah, right? So the battle of your soul is won, but the battle of your mind is a totally different story. And for many of us, many. So what I'm saying in essence is for every single one of us, every single one of us, the battle that happens in our minds is constant. Every, even when you, for some of us, basic decisions we want to make, we have to double think, triple think, triple check. Anybody? Or are you all just said, you all just said, you're all right. I'm just talking and you're just being polite. Anybody relate with what I'm saying? Please unmute your microphone. Like I said, it's a conversation. I ain't preaching at you. We're having a conversation. Feel free to unmute your microphone. If I said yes. I relate to. Who's that? Who's I relate? Because if you ain't got a picture, you a name. So who's I relate? Tegana. Tegana, right. So the battle of the mind is a completely different story. And you see, we all are made body, mind, soul. Body, mind, soul. Some people say body, mind, spirit. The spirit, done. Remember, we talked about equations. Body, mind, spirit. Spirit, done. Your soul, one. No question, no problem. It's there, it's done, right? Body, work in progress. Most of us in, in the wellness group, we have a wellness group where we're resetting our bodies so that we can reset our mind, and that's a whole different thing. But this mind thing, it's a whole different story. Unfortunately, the soul wins when the mind wins. Unfortunately, that's the mathematical equation because the Bible, you know, the God we said in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was who God. And when the word says something, it is sure. The precepts are sure. The precepts are right. The precepts are true. The original thought is true. There's no argument about it. And the word says that as a man thinketh, so is he. You are what you think. And you think in your mind. But because the battle of the mind is filled with all these words and all these fights and all these issues and all, all the distortions of reality, because the mind isn't filled with the precepts, the original thought, the mind is filled with ideas, with words, with stories from other people, from life, from culture, from experiences. And these things are most of the time inaccurate. We are all walking dysfunctionally. By the way, looking good, you know, hair done, nails did, everything, but the mind, whole different story. So the, the, the soul can't win what the mind can't win. Do you understand? The soul, God has already fought for us. So he sorted it out. If you look at the Old Testament, you see so many manifestations of God just probably doing like this, like this, people have done this again, because he would send people, Moses, Joshua, everybody, save these people, save these people. Once those people go, everybody goes back to what they were doing. And then he thought, let me just do the big thing. 
let me send my son himself to die for these people so that the question of their souls will not be an issue. The problem is that even though your soul is one, you still are what? Flesh. So meaning you still exist in this world. The Bible says that you are in this world, not of this world. So in other words, you are a stranger in a very, very strange place. Many of you in the spaces that you are feel strange because your opinions, your precepts, the original thoughts that form who you are don't align with a lot of things people are saying. And so you sound like a crazy person most of the time. The reason is because there was an original thought pertaining to you. Bible says, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you, I called you by your name. So you see that original thought, that original name, that original concept, original idea pertaining to who you are, what you're supposed to do, where you're supposed to be, the purpose behind your existence, how you're supposed to be living your life. In other words, your operating system, if you are a technical person, is all out of whack. So you're walking dysfunctionally, but you can't say it because guess what? You don't have some big thing right? You know, um, it's not like, you know, I, I tell the people who I train in our counseling arm of the radical remnant, I say the problem with, with mental health is that it's not like physical health, where somebody says to somebody, you are unwell because you have cancer, and they can measure the cancer and say, you have four years to live, and then they can say, oh, by the way, um, you know, if you do ABC chemotherapy, da-da-da-da, and stop doing da-da-da-da, you may have a chance, right? As there's certain um, prescriptions, there's certain processes that a proper medical practitioner studying your physical body will tell you. The problem with the mind is that's a whole different thing because everybody has a different mind. Do you get what I mean? Ain't nobody can go into your mind and tell you what you're thinking. Even if there's a soothsayer, a what, am I, what do they call those people? Um, fortune teller, a psychic, you know, if you're in America, you, I don't know if you guys see all those infomercials, that one, you know, there's some, some clear, let me tell you what's going to happen in your life. All those people that the devil is using to do nonsense, no matter how they tell you some one thing in your life, they still can't enter your mind and tell you everything that's going on. It's more complex than that. And so it's a delicate dance. It's like you're dancing and you can't even hear the song, but you're expected to take steps a certain way. And that's why as a Christian, you need the Holy Spirit because only the Holy Spirit can see everything that's happening inside of you. So take time to answer, what spell are you under? You see, when we wrote those words, what, what, what work, what, what words make you da, 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 da. My question is, what spell are you under? It's a very heavy question. I have to answer the question myself. What spell are you under? Who said what that led to this and led to that? And sometimes not of who's you, okay? Because nothing, there is no mental manifestation of a sickness, depression, anxiety, addiction, whatever it is you want to call it, that cannot be solved by God. Now, it may mean that there's a therapist, a counselor, whatever, who's going to use words that God will inspire. Sometimes God will use people who ain't even Christians to save your life. Example, Rahab, who was a prostitute in the Bible. God used her, right? So when people say, I don't go to therapy because I just pray, I laugh, ha, 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 because you are funny. God will use people to deliver you. But guess what? Those people will also have to speak what? Words. They call it talk therapy. But how do you talk? You use words. So what spell are you under? It's a question. What spell are you under? What spell, and when I say that, there could be good spells. 
There's something Tenny says when we're having meetings. He talks about how his father instilled the concept of duty. And if you know Tenny, if you spend any small time with him, he's a manifestation of that concept. And guess what? Tenny is right in front of me. Was it once that this concept was given to you? Was it said once? It was probably every day. In everything, like if you messed up, they would just start talking about duty to a point where you probably roll your eyes the way Pharaoh rolls her eyes when I talk about being a real Christian. It was repeatedly said to you. And you see, that is a word that is part of your story. That is part, that is a word that has made you who you are. But on the same side could be words spoken by other people, including yourself, now not any, anybody here, that have now constituted a spell that you're under. You see, as a therapist, I know that a lot of times when somebody is going through a manic episode, there's certain words that will come out and they, they may just be jumbled up. But when you're trained, you can pick certain words out and understand the power that they hold for that person in that situation. When somebody is depressed, they'll tell you the thoughts that are going through their mind. It's like a cycle. Cycles like you're not good enough. You'll never amount to anything. You're a failure. Nobody cares about you. If you died right now, nobody's going to notice. They wouldn't even really care. Maybe they just talk about it for five minutes and then they move on. Thoughts, words, spells. Spells. We know that words are spells now, right? We know that words, in a sense, hold magic. But we're not saying that magic. What we're saying is that it influences what we do. What spell are you under? What spell are you under? I feel like there, there's one or two people here who, as I say these things, they're identifying memories, they're identifying experiences, they're identifying pain, they're identifying frustrations, they're identifying trauma. And they're sitting pretty there, trying to be composed, but deep down there's a brokenness, there's a pain kind of like what I felt when I said I had a breakthrough on Friday. And, and there's a light, you see, it's like as they speak and they open up to the Holy Spirit, there's a light that just begins to come in very gradually and starts to shed light on those words, on those experiences, on that trauma. When I say, what spell are you under? What am I saying? In essence, I'm saying that a lot of us manifest our emotional weight. A lot of us manifest our emotional weight with physical or behavioral weight. Say that again. A lot of us, and anybody who's like in the class captain here can write that down. A lot of us manifest our emotional weight with physical and behavioral weight. For example, I sort my issues out with food. It's a problem something I need to talk to God about, like properly talk to God, not in passing, not one line prayer, like really sit down and say, God, why do I do that? You know, God being kind, he also made me a vain prayer. So I never kind of just go to become like a hello, Lame, <laughs> what's happening kind of situation. But I know, I know that once I'm feeling some type of way, the next thing I'm gonna do is go to the fridge. And guess what? Food doesn't even have to taste nice when I'm feeling that type of way. I just need to eat. And you could say that the food numbs the feeling a little bit, 
many people who are depressed or mentally, feeling mentally weighed down, they sleep a lot. It numbs the pain. Or they distract themselves with a lot of things. And so when I say a lot of us manifest our emotional weight with physical and behavioral weight, what I mean by that is that for some people, you can see it physically, something ain't right. It's a weight, not necessarily gaining weight, but a weight even in their expression, their facial expression, the way they carry themselves, the way they, they, they exude energy. You can feel that there's a weight. For some people, it's a behavioral weight. They start to behave different. They start to behave different. And the people who know them know something in red, okay? Now, medicine can find intellectual names and tags for all these things, but the basic truth is that this July, where we called it Reset July, right, is and was to sort all that out because we can't keep it at the way we have been. We can't keep at it at the way we have been. We can't, you know, when the Bible says certain things, we hear it, we even say it, but we don't get it. But the Bible says he cannot pour old wine into new wineskin. It's that many of us are carrying that weight. We've been carrying it. And, you know, for some people, they, they now are like, Someone who's gained weight but still dresses fly. Do you get what I mean? They know how to dress it up a little and carry it. Do you get what I mean? In a way that uh, kind of like swag, surprise, like, you know, she's all right. You know, there's some people who even have used sarcasm to mask pain, to mask trauma, to mask mental weight, right? And that's why you notice that a lot of comedians have addictions. That's their weight. One of the greatest comedians that ever, ever touched the face of this earth, Robin Williams, if you ever watched Miss Doubtfire or whatever, died by suicide. He had weight, but he joked through it. He lived in a way, he learned how to carry it. He learned how to work with it. So as I said that I was a functioning depressed person, he was a functioning suicidal person, functioning, right? So everybody seeing him, he looked like he all right, but he's carrying that weight. But God is saying that he doesn't want that anymore. He wants to move to the new wine and he wants us to sort this out once and for all. And that's why there's been a deeper understanding of what it means to be spellbound, to be under a certain spell and not knowing, to be under a certain spell that makes you depressed, anxious, addictive to certain things, that makes you form certain habits that you keep saying, that's just how I am. Oh, it's all right. I, I, I have it under control. You ever seen a drunk person saying, don't worry, I'm all right. And person is really drunk. They're saying all kinds of things, behaving, slurring their words. Oh, all right. You ain't all right. You're drunk. And for many of us, we ain't all right. It, we are under spells. We are under words. We are, we are functioning but carrying weight. Now, there's no shame in struggling. None. The, the radical remnant is a safe place for all of us. We come with all our crap and we're trying to work it out. Nobody here ever, including me, ever will give the impression that we have everything figured out. If you ever see such a person in this group, please call the person out and tell the person to leave. None of us know everything. None of us is the best Christian or the one that prays the longest or anything like that. We are all just moving by grace and learning by grace. So there's no shame in struggling. But if you know what you are doing wrong, it's different from knowing and not having the commitment or courage to learn when you are being taught. 
Do you understand what I just said? Just give me a wave, let me know that. So I said, there's no shame in struggling. There is no shame, absolutely no shame in struggling. But if you don't know what you're doing, or if you don't know what you're doing wrong, is different. It is different. Let me, somebody, if I said I didn't hear, let me repeat myself. If you don't know what you're doing wrong, again, is different from knowing what you're doing wrong and not having the courage or the commitment to learn when you are being taught. And that's what we're doing here today. We know certain things are wrong and God is trying to teach us. So it's either you have the commitment and courage to just face those things or you are like a functioning dysfunctional person. I want to be completely functional. I don't want to carry stuff around that just, you know, makes me start and stop in life. That makes me start things that I don't finish. That makes me question hope and faith. Is anybody here? Is anybody listening to me? You know, there's certain things that creep up when God speaks a thing or you have a dream or you have an idea and then something creeps up and just kills it. My toddler will say diet. There's certain things that you can't diet. It's just there and you don't know what to do. It's just, just, just there. It's a voice. It's a word. It's a cycle. It's a habit. It's an addiction. And this generation and the next really are under so many spells. So many spells driven by culture, by song, by words, by followers, by influence. And it's all in the wrong direction. It's not what God had in mind. The original thought, that's most of the stuff is not a manifestation of God's own thought. You see, the entitled generation will sooner welcome excuses rather than the work that they need to do to get where they're going. Unfortunately, you, my friends, are the entitled generation. I'm part of the entitled generation, but your level is different. I believe everybody did something to you. And so you sit in that entitlement, you sit in that victim mentality and do nothing about it. Matter of fact, you start to monetize it. So you, you create a handle, for example, depressed and, and you start to talk about depressions, you start to pay you money, talk about it. You feel like, yeah, I have followers who understand that I'm the depressed heir. And then that entitlement becomes your identity. You become someone who's under that spell and that becomes who you are and has nothing to do with God's original thought about who you are because God will never call you depressed. And so anything that God hasn't called you, you can't answer to it. Am I talking to anybody? Anybody? Is it too heavy? Behavioral, spiritual, and emotional work needs to be done hand in hand. Guys, there are battles ahead that are bigger than what you will post. <clears throat> I'll repeat that. There are battles ahead that are bigger than what you will post. You know, there's some things you can go through that you can somehow just cutify. What I mean by that, you can make it cute, package it, and talk about it. You sound so deep, so knowledgeable. I'm telling you that there are battles ahead that you ain't going to be able to post nothing about. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are battles ahead because 
as you grow deeper in God, God gives you more complex cases because he has put the power within you. The Bible says that eye has not seen nor ear heard. The Bible also says that he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think, but according to, to the power that is already within you. You see, that power that, that is within you is magnificent. It's as big as the person who put the power within you. And so as you graduate, same way as you move through your educational life, the, the, the problems you solve become more complicated, don't they? You're not in school doing two plus two equals four, two times two is four, right? You're doing more complex things because you are now advanced in age you get so you are advancing in your relationship with god therefore you're going to solve more complicated problems you understand what i'm saying and some of those problems will be solved on your knees some of those problems will be solved by you calling those things that be not as though they are some of those problems or rather all of those problems must be fought by the original thoughts the original thought that god had pertaining to you and pertaining to your involvement in whatever it is that you're going to do in your life and you cannot win it with i with just ideas vibes do you understand you can't wing what god is trying to do anymore a lot of us wing christianity you know, as Christians, sometimes we're lazy. We say we're just going to flow with the Holy Spirit because we didn't do the work. It's like me showing up here and not preparing for what God had said to do, not understanding it properly. Do you get so when you ask me a question, I'm like, you know, let's just pray and then cover it up. That's not what God is doing now. Do you get what I mean? God wants to meet each of us. He doesn't just want to bless one person. None of us has a, is a Jesus. We are all growing in faith. And I realize we conflict when our spells collide, right? We conflict within ourselves. We have conflicts. Do you sometimes just have like a conflict within you? Someone should talk to me. You sometimes just have a conflict. And it's not like you can't really, it's so intertwined. You don't know which one is right, which one is wrong. Your emotions are just one kind. Anybody? Definitely. You know, so... Sometimes the spells just collide. The words people have spoken, the, the, the machinations of the mind, everything just collides. The words that empower, the words that breathe life or tear down are the hinges that hold us together or apart. You know, when you look at a door and you move it, there are hinges that hold the door together to the frame. Do you understand? So we're, they're like hinges in our lives that hold us together in Christ, but then there's certain words that will either breathe life or tear down. And there's so many scriptures about words and I didn't want to give you, recycle those scriptures today. I wanted to speak to you from a different perspective as I was spoken to. And so when our souls, when our spirits, our souls, when they're alive, we either live by the spells of our darkness or the words of our light. There's a darkness that threatens light. Do you understand? There's a darkness that threatens light. For each of us, there's a darkness that threatens light. And when our spirits are alive, you know, everybody knows here that God is spirit the same way the enemy is spirit. So when your spirit is alive, you have to ask yourself, is this light or is this darkness? What spell am I under? Words form our code. Words form our programming. Those people who do IT know that you put a code in to make certain things happen. You press to control something, something to delete stuff, right? So each of us is programmed a certain way. 
And the thing about it is that every situation that you have brought up today, every situation that's come to your mind today is intentional by the Holy Spirit. It's not here to make you start to think, well, poor me. God wants to sort something out. Do you know why they say crippling depression, crippling anxiety? Have you ever thought about it before? Has it ever crossed your mind why they say that? Because the pain of the mind immobilizes the body. If anybody here is bold enough to talk about going through heartbreak, depending on how emotional you are, sometimes you even want to eat. Just be sad. Everybody behaving like anybody broke your heart. They all know somebody broke your heart and you cry. You listen to Adele or something, how to talk about Ben and Jerry's. Everybody just looking like, I, I don't know, I never dated anybody, never cried because of a boy, never cried because of a girl. When you are broken, when you go through or when you fight, Sandy's like, so don't talk to girls. No, you do. You know, someone's broken your heart, whatever. You think you, maybe there's one girl you're talking to, and something happened. No. But the pain of the mind immobilizes the body. If you've ever been depressed before, you find that you don't even want to take a shower. You don't want to do anything. You're just there. So when, when this pain immobilizes the body, immobilizes progress, sometimes immobilizes the life of a person. I express to you, I submit to you that many things can be crippling. Heartbreak can be crippling. Shame can be crippling. Regret can be crippling. Fear can be crippling. Anxiety can be crippling. Insecurity can be crippling. Imposter syndrome can be crippling. Memories can be crippling. And that's why you find people who sometimes when they're anxious, they're shaking. They call it a panic attack. Why would it be an attack if it's not a threat? Anything that is an attack to you is threatening you, isn't it? So that should tell you that your mind can either be a threat or a source of life. The question I have been told to ask you is how long will you stay bedridden? Bedridden, not because you're literally in your bed. Bedridden because there are certain things crippling different sides of your life. And if you're listening to this thinking, I don't need to share, I don't need this, I'm all right. You know, I'm all right. I got everything unlocked. I need to share this though with person A or person B um, because I think they need this help. I, you know, I was talking to them last week and I think they need to hear this and help them out and whatever. Then you might be under the worst spell of all, which is pride. Bible says pride goes before it fall. Y'all, have you ever seen anybody in like four inch heels, four inch stilettos, just feeling really pretty? You know, Lady showed me a video of some model just just walking and it just fell. You know, those falls are just never cute. You know, you're about to go say, oh, oh, kitty. Just say, bah, and then everything scatters. And there's no cute way to fall. If you've fallen before, especially if you have my law, your fall will just be like, wow. You know, your leg, everything just, uh. and so, don't be proud. This is a place where God wants to do work. And the question of who breaks the spell is simple. It's God. Many of us struggle with 
dishonor, misunderstand the importance and the role of spell breakers. And I'm rounding up now. Many of us, we struggle with, we dishonor, we misunderstand the importance and the role of spell breakers in our lives. We confuse it with competition of accomplishment. We confuse it with spirituality. We confuse it with intellect or financial standing. And that is, has nothing to do with God. God brings different spell breakers into our lives. Could be a friend, could be a teacher, could be a mentor, could be a preacher, whatever it is, could be a book. Joseph was favored, not because of anything he was or owned, but because it just was. It, it was an original thought pertaining to Joseph. He was somebody who was created to break a spell within his family, for example. We don't know what the generational pattern had been in their family, but God gave Joseph that power. And the brothers that could have benefited fought that light. Maybe he was designed to even break generational behavior curses or prevent certain struggles, but they were ignorant. Pharaoh could have been blessed by Moses. Moses was there to break a spell for the Israelites, right? And they struggled with that consistently. Some of us will be dragging issues with people we should be submitting to. I'm just throwing this is like, you know when they say the um, jara on top of the message, this is the jara on top of the message, I'm done with my message, this was just jara that God gave and let it do what it's going to do to whoever. Some of us drag issues with people we should be submitting to. The spell breakers actually don't even need the submission. They don't need the service. Joseph didn't need his brothers. He was blessed regardless of them. Spell breakers are blessed regardless, anointed regardless of your input, of your respect, of your submission, of your service. So the proper thing to do is to be humble and learn. And that is something that a lot of Christians struggle with. So don't get it twisted. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Don't get it twisted. When God does a thing, he does a thing. When he sends a person, he sends a person. Genesis 37 verse three says, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors, right? Hold that thought. And Joseph said, listen to this dream I had. This is Genesis 37 verse six. He said, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheets of grain out of the field and when suddenly my sheath rose and stood upright and your sheaths gathered around mine and bowed to it. Hold that thought. Matthew 3 verse 17 says, a voice from heaven said, this is my son who, with whom I'm well pleased. Jesus even, even Jesus was validated. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that there are certain people in life who God has put a stamp of approval on. And in your life, there'll be certain people like Joseph, like Jesus, that God has just put his stamp of approval on. God has appointed to do certain things. And for Jesus, the Bible says in Isaiah 9, verse 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For some of us here, we also are spell breakers because the original concept, the preset concerning your life, it was an anointing, a certain power. But you're struggling with it because you still have spells that have, had nothing to do with what God said in your life. The same way God 
goes out of his way to validate Jesus, to validate Moses, to validate Joseph, to validate David. God goes out of his way to validate you. If he has validated you to do certain things, which I believe he does for everybody, it's important that you know the people who validate you, the people who speak into your life, and you also accept his validation so that you can move and the spell can be broken. That, my darling people, is the end of what I have to share today. I know that it's quite heavy, but I just want us to spend the next two minutes, three minutes, just praying. And just talk to God where you are. Because the conversation will be different for each person. Conversation will be different for each person. So I can't even tell you what to say to God. Just talk to God so that whatever work God wants to do, he can start. We'll also use this opportunity to advise you to join the July Reset. So you can begin to discipline your mind and your body. So that body, mind, and spirit, body, mind, and soul are working together. God wants to break spells. He wants to break yokes. He wants to break patterns. But you need to do work. It's work that needs to be done. There's a lot of uprooting. The Bible says he has given us the power to uproot and to plant. So you actually have the power within you to uproot the words, to uproot the stories, to uproot the memories, to uproot the narrative that puts you under a spell of depression, that puts you under a spell of anxiety, of insecurity, that puts you under a spell of even laziness, that puts you under a spell of gluttony, that puts you under a spell of greed, that puts you under a spell of invalidation, that puts you under a spell that tells you that you are not good enough, that puts you under a spell of imposter syndrome where they say that you don't even know what you're talking about, the one who wants to listen to you, that puts you under a spell of being double-minded all the time about basic decision-making, where you just can't decide what you are supposed to do. God wants to break the spell. Some people, it sounds like even the spell that you're struggling with is not valid because it just sounds so simplistic. But you know that it's heavy in your heart. So it's heavy in God's heart. Every time you cry, it touches God's heart. God doesn't take it for granted. There is no father that can love the way God loves. And if your earthly father, whether it's a spiritual father or physical father, your earthly mother, whether it's, whether it's physical or spiritual is is broken by your tears how much more god almighty well guys it's a time to man up that phrase is so dear to me because my my friend who i spoke about in the beginning uh used to joke about how his son told the other son you need to man up it's time to man up it's time to look at all those things all those words all those stories all those narratives face to face and start to pray about them, start to sort them out, start to get help, start to get help to break it and commit to the behavior, commit to the courage, commit to the precept upon precept, line upon line, to the word that God has spoken. It's time to choose, choose this day who you serve. And it's not about whether you're a Christian or not. It's about whether you are manifesting as a Christian. God doesn't want us to stay stagnant. This place cannot grow if all of us are stagnant. God is like, you know what? You need to sort that out. 
Many of us judge people that we see online when they fail, but the truth of the matter is there was room for them to sort certain things out. They didn't sort it. The enemy sat and waited till they were on top, and then that thing just wrecked them. Praise God. Father, do what it is that you came to do today. In those rooms, in those spaces, almighty God, with tears, with memories, even with resistance, with stubbornness. Break spells, oh God. Break words. Help identify stories and narratives that don't serve the purpose for which each of us was created. Give us the courage, oh God, to do what we need to do to change. That courage, oh God, that you gave Paul, even after he denied your son, Jesus Christ, uh, you, you, sorry, that you gave Peter, even after he denied your son, oh God, that courage that helped him to become the cornerstone, that courage, oh God, that Paul had, when you, you removed the scales from his eyes, oh God, give it to us, remove the scales, the scales, oh God, even Paul was under a spell, but then, Lord, you showed yourself to him, and you helped him follow a different story, a different narrative, and different belief system. Every idea, every idea that raises its head against yours, that raises its head over what you have spoken, God, begin to help us identify them and start to work, oh God, and letting the breath of life come out of those things. I'm putting the breath of life, oh God, into your narrative, Father. Let us stop breathing and giving life to the darkness, Father. Give us the courage, give us the courage, give us the courage to speak, to say no, to say I'm sorry, to change, to be effective, to be obedient. Give us the discernment, oh God, to identify the spell breakers in our lives. And take away every pride that refrains us from submitting. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's it. Thank you for listening. We hope you were blessed by that. For more wholesome, edifying content, and to learn more about us, please head over to our Instagram page at The Radical Remnant. Also, join us live for Chart Up on Sunday. We've reserved a spot just for you. All the details can be found on our Instagram. Once again, we're The Radical Remnant. Everyone, anyone, one God.